0: Hello, my name's Chris Jones. I'm a poet and I teach creative writing at Sheffield Hallam University. Welcome to the Two-Way Poetry Podcast, a bi-weekly series of programmes where I speak to poets about their own creative inspirations and practice. In each episode, I invite a writer to talk about a poem that has influenced his, her, their own writing We discuss the work and in return my guests read a poem they have written as a response, however overtly or indirectly connected to this original piece. In this show I talk to the poet Pam Thompson about James Schuyler's praise poem Hymn to Life and how it played a part in the writing of her own piece, An Afternoon. So I'm here today with Pam Thompson in an office at work. And we're here today to talk about two poems. The first one today we're going to look at is James Schuyler's Hymn to Life. And the second poem, which is written as a kind of homage to Hymn to Life, Is Pam Thompson's own poem, An Afternoon. So, Pam, we're going to start with Him to Life. Can you tell me when you first read James Schuyler's poem?
1: Yeah. I first came across James Schuyler. It must have been around 2000, I don't know, around 2003, 2004. Whenever, I, I just got the Car Connect edition of the New York Poets, the first Car Connect, uh, collection, there were two um, with New York Poets, the New York School, and it was a very interesting collection. And Skylar's poems stood out for me in many ways because of their precise description, the fact that they're very of the moment, um, something quite breathtaking in the way that he can capture the present, in a very evocative way, and so yeah, it was then I think that I first came across him
0: because I have to admit I don't know a lot about him as a poet or as a or as an individual. Um, so it was a it was an education for me to for you to pick this poem.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean I I don't think I'd read any of these poems before.
1: Okay, I mean I'd certainly. Ha- Given the opportunity to this, thank you, Chris, for, for doing that, to read this. And if other people hadn't heard of him, definitely recommend people to go and seek him out. Um, He's one of the New York School, perhaps less known than, say, O'Hara and Ashbery, Kenneth Coke, more reticent, um, not such a charmed life. Skylar's an outsider in many ways with a difficult life. Mm. Um, and that in a sense attra- attracted me to him another reason
0: yeah you say reticent but when i i actually listened to the poem there's a link that i'll i'll put on the podcast yeah to him reading the poem and it was i just thought it was an outpouring really it was an outpouring yes. of uh yeah. of writing and that's it's and it's it's a 30 it's over 30 minutes long the poem when he reads it yeah and i was just sort of amazed and i when i saw it it was going to be over 30 minutes First thought, oh no, what have I let myself yeah. in for? But it is it is an amazing ride, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It is, you're just entranced by the the rhythms and the pitch. He keeps the pitch up as well, doesn't absolutely. he?
1: Absolutely. I, th- I think that's, they're really great observations. Um, we were just talking, weren't we? And I was saying that apparently he didn't start reading his poems in public till much later in life. And when he did, he was really into it. And so there was some... I guess by that time it wasn't outpouring. I think reticence only in the sense that he wasn't O'Hara. He wasn't yeah. the golden boy. I mean, you know, he very much idolised. I mean, his letters to O'Hara are brilliant and O'Hara's to him. And also I mentioned, we were mentioning, he had mental health. He was in and out of mental health institutions and A remarkable output of poetry, considering, you know, the devastation in his own life.
0: Yeah. Uh, Could you read the beginning of him to Life? We're not going to hear the whole thing, but you, you can read the first... 30 or so lines, please.
1: Yes, I will. Him to Life is from a collection of the same name, I understand. I haven't double-checked that, but I think that's so. Uh, and it was published in 1972. He was writing it for a couple of years before that with other poems, after he, he'd come out of hospital, one of his hospitalizations. Him to Lie." The wind rests its cheek upon the ground and feels the cool damp and lifts its head with twigs and small dead blades of grass, pressed into it, as you might at the beach, rise up and brush away the sand. The day is cool and says, I'm just staying overnight. The world is filled with music, and in between the music, silence. And varying the silence, all sorts of sounds, natural and man-made. There goes a plane, some cars, geese that honk, and, not here, but not so far away, a scream so rending that to hear it is to be never again the same. Why this is hell. Out of the death-breeding soil, here rise emblems of innocence, snowdrops that struggle easily into life, and hang their white enamel heads toward the dirt. And in the yellow grass the small wild crocuses from hills goats have cropped to barrenness. The corms come by mail, are planted. Then do their thing, to live, to live. So natural and so hard, hard as it seems it must be for green spears to pierce the all but frozen Mould and insist that they too, like mouse ear chickweed, will live. The spears lengthen. The bud appears and spreads. It spreads its seed capsule, fattens and falls. The green turns yellowish and withers, stretched upon the ground. In Washington, magnolias were in bud. In Charlottesville, early bulbs were up, brightening one at a time, like a long-awaited letter that one day comes. But it may not say what you hoped, or distraction robs it of what it once would have meant. Spring comes and the winter weather here may hold. It is arbitrary, like the plan of Washington DC, avenues and circles in asphalt web and no one gets younger. Which is not for the young, true. Discovering new freedoms at 20. A relief not to be a teenager anymore. One of us had piles, another water on the knee, a third a hernia. A strangulated hernia is one of life's less pleasant bits of news. And only one, at 20, moved easily through all the galleries to pill free sleep oh it's not all that bad the sun shines on my hand and the myriad lines that crisscross tell the story of nearly 50 years sorry it's too long to relate
0: thank you very much for that actually it's not too long to relate is it because he, he does no go on to relate
1: absolutely it. absolutely and uh, he does And there are several other long poems The Morning of the Poem um, The Crystal Lithium To name two Which uh, are worth seeking out
0: mm. um, the, the, the shape of the poem Is inter- interested me You read mm. it very well But it's in some respects it's, I, I think it's quite a hard poem to read Because of the line yeah, breaks It, is, it is. They're long lines aren't they They
1: are long lines I think he controls the line very well, but they are long and unexpected the breaks are unexpected, I think. And they're consistently long, so it's not going in and out, um, as the poem that I've written with shorter lines does. Yeah, And I think, uh, in my head, I always think of, of Skyler as a, a poet of the long form long poem in the long line i mean he does have poems that aren't like that at all he has sonnets or sonic shaped poems he has what he calls um skinny poems i think he calls them that very thin poems but this is how i think of him and the long lines are packed with that kind of exuberance that he notes
0: the thing that i picked up from your reading was the word that he repeats which is hard hard yeah, and in, amongst all this sort of, um, I don't want to foreshadow out any kind of you know well, further conversation we we might have, but that's the thing that I picked up on these two words that the word that he repeats. Yes, and it's like amongst this life, this this sort of overflowing of life. There's yeah. there's there's those two words that kind of kind of stick that you kind of emphasise when you read it.
1: Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I hadn't, I, I can note that now. And, and yes, there's one at the end of a line and one at the beginning of the line, which is a bold move, so natural and so hard, hard as it seems it must be for green spears to pierce the all but frozen mould. Yes, and insist. So there's something effortful about that, isn't there? There and is. I think, and I think that kind of contrast is very present in his poems.
0: I mean, one of the things I heard. When I was listening to the poem and reading it again, was all the literary influences that, that yeah. must be yeah. embedded in the poem.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, I mean, there's the obvious sort of you know kind of references to I think T.S. Eliot possibly. Yeah, he talks about the, the yeah the soil, does not he?
1: Yes, the soil. Um, I think possibly Eliot is in the background somewhere there. It's, I, I can't recall him ever mentioning Eliot. I think that quote—it's Shakespeare, isn't it? And I think it, why this is how is this Othello? I think it's from Othello.
0: Is it? I think it's from
1: Othello. So that there's a clip, and all the devils are here. I think comes after that.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: again, you've got that quite negative connotation. Oh yeah, and that—that's that, very Elliot. So it must be out of the death breeding soil. So that's like out of the dead land, isn't it? But yes, you're quite right. There are lots of literary references. Um, often song as well, um, snatches of dialogue. Yeah. So he, he it's textured poetry in that sense that he brings in different registers. Mm. Um, I like that. There's an
0: American much. there's American line as well, I think I think through someone like William Cars Williams. It's a wrote right called Spring and All by the I think it's called by the Contagious Hospital.
1: Yes. Which yes. is,
0: I think he's definitely thinking about or reflecting on that poem when he's writing his own poem. Yes,
1: I think you're right. Because Williams was, a, was an influence or, yes, somebody he does bring in.
0: So he, it's a sort of, um, I mean, it's an amazing collage, isn't it, he, that he's yeah. kind of created, I think, in this poem.
1: I think collage is a great, a great description. In fact, there are deliberate collage poems elsewhere that he does bring in. Found material. He was a, he was a, I mean, his journals, his diaries are brilliant because obviously he writes, not obviously, but he writes very poetically. And you can see where some of these observations about the day is often a phrase, the day is like this, or out looking out of a window is often a premise in the poetry, you know, a view of Manhattan, a a view of wherever he's living at the time. So yeah, so that, and he was also a reader of diaries, like Gilbert White, natural right, okay. history, natural history, diaries. I think Dorothy Wordsworth. So, it, so obviously he, he's bringing that kind of thing into it as well.
0: Yeah, it seems extemporaneous or almost off the cuff, but actually it's, it is brilliantly crafted as mm-hmm. well, isn't it? You can't write long line poems of that kind of, pitch and intensity and length without them being skillfully put together
1: no you can't you can't because it 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 would be kind of dull prose if that really a Mm. note form in itself and not having the rhythmical interest which this does have I mean you have to work at it and keep with it yeah I think I mean you can pick up bits without reading the whole thing and get something from Skylar I think yeah but I think really if you do give yourself time to just go with it You'll get what you said at the beginning, you know, the the fact that it's an outpouring and a necessary one. Yeah, These poems were necessary, as as the best poems people say are.
0: By the by, before I move on, I read a poem by Kieran Carson called Calvin Klein's Obsession. Oh,
1: I love that poem.
0: And he quotes from this.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't read
0: that for years. He quotes from this poem. I'm sure he, because it's it's a poem about April and he's talking about memory and, and it's and he. Oh, I've got to
1: go back to that.
0: And there's a there's a quotation he uses. It's the flits, and later on in the poem he talks about the the flits and the. I can't remember, quite remember now the quote.
1: Because he's a long liner. Isn't he's he? a long line <laughs> poet. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was just reading yesterday. I thought, yeah, that's
1: Oh wonderful. That's
0: Skylar, yeah.
1: And of course, you've got. I mean, we we talked about what he brings in different registers, brand names as well. You've oh, got Calvin it? Klein's obsession, obviously. Yeah you've got that there but he does yeah he, he brings in names of shops names of items names of things he's eating
0: Is a, do you think he wants to include everything in the poem
1: mm. it's that inclusiveness isn't it so he
0: talks about this idea of noise in the poem this idea of um, oh I'll read it The world is filled with music and in between the music silence and varying the silence all sorts of sounds natural and man-made. There goes a plane, some cars, geese that honk and not here, but not so far away, a scream. So we, so it's everything. Yeah, it's everything. So he's not filtering out, is he? No,
1: not filtering out at all, which is, you know, I mean, that's brilliant, but it's also overwhelming for a poet sometimes, I think. And, possibly reflect something is of his own overwhelm i don't know but then as we've said it is so considered and structured it's not as if it's random no romantic. not at all he mentions washington here he'd spent some time in washington dc and hated it did he so this is i'm guessing just after he's back so I was- New York State or Long Island, wherever he stayed.
0: Because I was going to ask you about here the fact that actually the poem skips around, doesn't it? Mm. So he mentions Washington and then he mentions Charlottesville.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And he compares the two. Yes. So it's almost like a camera sort of swooping around.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: In the way that, you know, I always think of writing almost like the idea of, I talk about the idea of writing. You could compare to sort of film terminology. So you've got close ups and you've got wide angled shots. I agree. And this is almost like a camera kind of moving around the sort of the scenery. It's you know.
1: panning, isn't it? Panning, in. it is, it's moving around. Definitely. His own life was peripatetic. He He lived in so many different places and people looked after him a lot of the time. And he spent a lot of time with a painter and painter's partner, a painter called Fairfield Porter. Oh, right. He painted his portrait for the front of his um, collected poems. And he spent a lot of time with that family. I think he had a brief relationship with Fairfield Porter. He lived with O'Hare and Al Ashbury for a long time. So he was moved around and he was looked after. Yeah, And he ended up in the Chelsea Hotel. Oh, did he? Yeah, with various... Minders. One of them, the poet Eileen Miles, who's still um, highly regarded in the avant-garde, and your avant-garde. Right. As a young woman, she was one of his first kind of people who went in to look after him.
0: He seems also to be preoccupied with the human body as well. Yes. And uh, one of the interesting things I thought about his poem was how it reflects on youth.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And I was expecting it to be a a in sort of, a, you know, a hymn to being young. But even then, that is yeah. there were a around it. There are...
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: He starts talking about illness amongst absolutely. The, the people that he knew.
1: Absolutely. At 20. Yeah, absolutely. And the pills as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's 50. It seems that he's talking about the sun shines on my hand and the myriad lies that crisscross tell the story of nearly 50. So 1972 I think he died in his late 60s. Yeah, so it's possibly autobiographically accurate. But yes, preoccupation with with youth, but also with aging. Um, and typical also though, when reflecting on something, when he talks about hernia, is one of life's less pleasant bits of news. And then, oh, it's not all that bad. Yeah. That's typical. Yeah. That kind of throwaway yeah. thing in the middle. Oh well, come on, you know the yeah. sun's out.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes it more, more painful. Like yeah,
1: it does. It that does. kind of
0: him saying yeah. that.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you think of um, today's teenagers. This idea about them being vulnerable to the idea of mental health, and you know, their their mental health issues, and yeah, and there seem in this poem, it seems to be. Kind of, he's already kind of reflecting on the, the kind of the, the pill culture, isn't he? Really, yeah. This idea of taking sleeping pills,
1: yes, definitely. I mean, and and certainly the whole poem, the crystal lithium, lithium being a drug for you know sort of manic depression, as, as it was called then. Um, he, his illness seemed to be a cross between schizophrenia and bipolar. Certainly one with hallucinations and at times, I mean, he set a place on fire and nearly died within a fire. He alienated, not so they left him totally, but the, I think the Porter family. By being particularly unpleasant to a daughter during one of his illnesses, right. and had to be moved somewhere else for a while. There's a huge, a long period just after that in his diaries when there are no entries. I think seven right. years.
0: Right. Wow. So
1: you know there was really these real troughs, mm. and but some of the poems, the short poems that, as I say, he'd just come out of a psychiatric hospital when he started this one he must have started it in there but there are some poems called the pain whitney when he was in a place called pain whitney hospital they're they're short and they are so striking and poignant mm. so they've got all of this but kind of condensed into about 10 lines or something yeah
0: yeah you can definitely feel he he lives his life without barriers or, like, you know, of a shield or protection. Yes. In a way, He's, it's all uh, in there, absolutely. isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I think that's so true. Also, the poems, I mean, about all the people, they're peopled poems, yeah. you know, so many names. And I think that's typical of the New York school, anyway. Yeah. You know, people, places jazz, um, other types, classical music, love of classical music, love of flowers, love of, you know, precise details of, of nature and flowers.
0: That's the other thing that I was going to, we've talked about briefly already, but this idea of the flowers that he's kind of a, he just focuses on in the mm. poem. It's the flowers first and foremost, isn't it? Yes, it Before is. Before he gets to the humans, although they're kind of in the background.
1: Yes, it it's is. this
0: idea of the, the, the corms, which I... Um, the corms come by mail, which I thought was really kind of quite funny. Yeah,
1: really. yeah, that's right.
0: The sort of the seeds that he kind of presumably sends off for.
1: Yes. And
0: yes. The bulbs, the bulbs and the corms.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's
0: and he's interested in how the the snowdrop uh sorry, the crocuses, isn't it? Makes its way into the world so uh, there's a snowdrops yeah out of the death breeding soil here rise emblems of innocence that's right snowdrops well we'll come on to snowdrops yeah that struggle easily into life and hang their white enamel heads toward the dirt yeah and in the and in the yellow grass are small wild crocuses that's right from hills goats have cropped to barrenness yes so it's this detail on detail absolutely
1: isn't it? it is it's um it, it it's interesting the white enamel heads of crocuses, isn't it? You know, you've got a hard substance, hard again, to describe something very fragile.
0: Yeah, there's a poem by Ted Hughes, I think, called "Snowdrop," which he uses this very similar idea—the sort of the, the head being like metal. Yes. So it's the flowers, really, that kind of, um, and it's that, like you say, attention, and it, it's there as their signifiers, aren't they? Of, they are. Of spring and of renewed vigour. But it's the letter, isn't it, that he receives? This idea of spring being, oh, it's, it's so poignant, I find.
1: That's right. No one gets, t- n- tomorrow will begin another spring. No one gets many one at a time, like a long awaited letter that one day comes. But it may not say what you hope.
0: And that's that's desperate, isn't it? It's
1: desperate, absolutely, in a sort of of
0: understated way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then the winter weather here may hold, and spring comes, and the winter weather here may—it's arbitrary. Like, and then straight the plan of Washington DC avenues, you know, yeah, a real shift. The mental leap is from something that's not pleasant and unsettling to a place for him that was. Claustrophobic and unsettling. Yeah, for those very, you know, the asphalt. I mean, New York's like that. But he was always away, not always, but didn't feel as claustrophobic as he did in Washington.
0: Yeah, the metaphors and similes. He's like he's trying to compare everything to everything else, isn't he? There's like a chain of kind of Mm. imagery that he's going through. It's like this or it's like
1: that. Yes. Um, Yes, and. I think in a similar way, Elizabeth Bishop, in a way, they, they make similar manoeuvres, Yeah, which is what some people say, oh, you're piling on too much description, you put in workshop head, yeah. too many likes, etc. But they can get away with it because it's going somewhere. And she does the same in unexpected ways, I think, too. She can swerve into something really unexpected.
0: Yeah. Well, she talks about torn open unanswered letters. In, That's right. In the bite.
1: That's right.
0: Which is the, the, the killer line that she yeah. kind of writes.
1: it's fantastic, that poem, isn't it? Yeah. So
0: yeah. I think we should move on and talk about your own poem. An Afternoon. And it's written, actually, not that far from where we're sitting. It's, well, the the location for the poem is Sheffield Station, which we can hear in the background, and uh, the walk up from Sheffield Station to the Millennium Galleries, which is past my work here, uh, and then there's an exhibition that the the narrator, or the speaker in the poem, goes to. Can you re- can you remember the the exhibition well?
1: I can't remember. It was a mixture. I don't think it was one artist. It was the workshop actually. It was from a poetry business workshop that was on in the Millennium Galleries. Mm -hmm. It was just before the pandemic. Right, okay. And so this poem derives partly from that, but also I was doing and again around that time, February, March 2020, a workshop I'd more or less just started online with a Toronto-based poet called Hua Huan. She was offering a course on Skylar's poetry, poetics, looking at the collected poems in detail. Right. Okay. And that was really interesting to do. Yeah. And she, she actually had a group where she did a reading and you could listen to that on a podcast. She'd got her own little group where you could listen in if you weren't actually in Toronto. And then she'd give sections to look at and write from. Well, I didn't actually send her anything and mine was a combination of being on her course and also having gone to this gallery. And I was very much influenced by Skylar when I came to write up my kind of notes from the workshop.
0: Mm. Could you read the poem?
1: Yes. An afternoon, where adult lads up from Derby in shirts and jeans in January, ahead of an on-the-piss evening walk fast at the side of their reflections in steel. The fountain near the station, which, when the sun dips, will spill onto the pavement and freeze. In the Millennium Gallery, Madonnas, flanked by fat putty, vie for my attention, but I want something more subtle, a painting or drawing that I'll have to work at knowing. Over there on the other side, with no one else looking, a watercolour under glass. Biography of a Snowdrop, February the 20th, 1896. Its greyish flower seeming too heavy for the stem. How slowly she must have painted while the light was still good. Barely out of adolescence, its root, scrotal with white filaments. For our convenience, she returned on March the 14th, prompted perhaps by better weather, to draw exquisite cross-sections of sex organs, stigma and stamens, the segmented flower like a star on a mosque or a sliced fig, a tile, the day's tile. Picking Snowdrop's first thing inside her own biography, with spring lying in waits, Edith Spiller, look her up. Thank
0: you very much. Um, I have to raise this uh, point now, but you sent me another version mm. of this poem, which is in second person.
1: Yes, I did.
0: So, and that, that intrigues me because part of the process of writing poems is that we we, we don't know really until we've tried out which 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 kind of version works so i'll just give it a little brief kind of uh, madonna's flanked by fat putty vie for your attention but you want something more subtle so that there's a a sea change isn't there in the kind of you know in the kind of uh, the tone of the poem if you use first person and if you use second person yes second person is more inveigling in a, in a way sort of what sort of it's you as the narrator, but it's also me
1: reading the Absolutely. Poem. And why did I do that in the end? I did change it. And then the point is, then I got confused and I've got the two versions kind of flying around. So it's so an either or, like you have that one and then I've brought this one. Uh, something about probably bringing it more close and personal. What does Skylar do? Obviously, I mean, he does... I, I think he, he does. Up, he does up close and personal. He, d- he does up close and personal mostly. Possibly that's in my mind. Maybe I'd been having one of those discussions where I have had fairly recently. I'm in mean, the Saturday morning workshop with some poets, and the "you" issue came up. Somebody there was express, expressing they didn't like it, so maybe that was in my mind because I do use it a, a lot. Yeah, Um, and I still will. So I still, you know, there's still two versions of this as, as far as I'm concerned. That's good. The first, yeah. I mean, the, the, it was long listed in a in a, in a live Canon competition which, 2020. Which version? The U version. Well, the U so version. that's the one that was sent in. Yeah. So, you know, it could go either way.
0: You could, well, I don't know whether you could actually print both versions together. No, people don't do that, but... No. I always think you know it'd be interesting to, for to show the two versions. Yes, poets do change their minds. Yes, and the two pieces sit very well together.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, it'd be good, you know, to have that opportunity. I mean, I did have in another version, I had the the word Sheffield under an afternoon, or was it part of the title? I can't remember. But then that's not in this one. I took that 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 out.
0: Yeah, that specificity is... Uh, I mean, I know where the poem's set.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: and I know, you know, Skyler's using uh, Washington and Charlottesville. Yeah. But yeah. You, you you decide not to mention... You've got Derby.
1: I've got Derby in. Um, but then, you know, you move to a very specific place. So maybe Sheffield as a kind of subtitle or even as part of the title is appropriate. Because again, I... I have I use dates and times in my poetry quite a lot. He does. I mean, n- many of his poems are a month or yeah. a date or both. Yeah. And so that's very consciously done here. Mm. And interesting what I was looking at, we've talked about Gilbert White's diaries Nature. I mean, this was a a, a journal with, with the, the the drawings. But again with very pre- precise dates in it. That I was looking at in the museum.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'll come to the dates l- yeah. later on. I think um, I, I'd like to start with the first line. Yeah, uh, where adult lads mm. an afternoon, and there's a kind of there's a break in the. So the actual the title is part of the first line, isn't it? Really?
1: Yes, it is really
0: because there's a little kind of um, it, the the first line leads on from.
1: Yes, it does. Um, again, that's something I've done before. And I think it, it kind of fits with this poem. I think you can overdo that. I must admit, sometimes I struggle with titles.
0: I do too. I really <laughs> struggle with titles. I, just, I, I wait till the end. In fact, the sequence are right in the moment, I might just get rid of the titles. Cause that...
1: Yeah, placeholder titles or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I do struggle with titles.
1: I mean, again, back to the New York School. And, you know, Frank O'Hare has several poems called "Poem," yeah, and uh, you know, exactly. Skylar's done it, and you do read some titles now, which is so long and so involved, yeah. And you know, you read if you're in a competition, judges look at titles and get attracted by them. But sometimes I think I just it just seems too forced sometimes to think of overthink a title,
0: yeah. I mean, they're a door into the house, aren't they, really? Yes. But adult lads is the thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I just completely understand what you mean by adult lads. Yeah. You know? And there's something of that in the Hemp to Life as well, isn't there? That kind of cusp, that moment where he's going yeah. from being a teen, mentions teenager, to being yes. an adult. Yeah. These are these are going through that same process, aren't they?
1: I think so. Um, I think so, definitely. And in other Skylar's poems, you get that sense. And... I mean, I'm thinking the adult lads who come up, you know, they're they're in their 50s in the football shirts, yeah. or you know, they're coming up to, to yeah. drink all day. But I mean, there's something about in Skylar's poem where he falls in love with young men. It's not, he's a young man called Tom, who again was one of his helpers, um, not reciprocated. But, but Skylar, as the older man, is becoming the lovelorn lads, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I think adult lad, you could say when lads up from Derby, but I think there is a slightly different connotation. Yeah. Just using lads.
0: No, I agree. Like, yeah, I agree completely. I, mean, I think one of the tricks of this poem is that it just, I mean, without naming like Sheffield and what have you, just, it just, it does seem quite generic. But actually, because, um, the title is an afternoon, after all. But it is actually full of specific detail. The adult lads, January. The detail of the fountain as well. I think that was really good. Where you kind of just notice that the the water that spills will freeze at the edge of the pavement. I think that's that's really kind of very sort of fine image really. And then the dates that are attached to attach to the to the drawer, it's watercolour. Um you're very specific about that as well, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Yes, I mean it was fortuitous to see those dates and it's also interesting because they almost accord with the time the date of the poem, not 1896 obviously but like I said it was pre-pandemic so it's one of those last in-person workshops I was also doing the one online but it was very much on that February-March cusp when something was nearly happening Um, and then it it was happening it's you know, spring, so we've got the parallels well, the flowers, the snowdrop, the par the, the the parallels with Skylar. So I suppose there's those different layers. There's my reading of Skylar around the time, there's what was happening everywhere that spring, yeah. that early spring, and then there's the time of the poem where Edith Spiller, who's the artist, revisits she starts to paint the flower, and then she goes back March the fourteenth to actually paint it again. Okay. So that's there's a revisiting within her action as well.
0: Is it uh, on the same canvas or is there other two separate? It was
1: dates? the same one, as right. far as I remember. Okay. I mean, there might have been two pages, but but I think it was the same one because there were two separate dates.
0: Right. Okay. Which I thought
1: was fascinating.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's part of process, isn't it? Yeah. The process of. It's, not long, it's like writing, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yeah. It's the difference between choosing you or I, you know, that that the reader sees the final poem, but they, they don't glimpse behind the, the curtains, do they? Where, no, you know, no, no. Where the person's pulling the levers, you know.
1: No, not at all. And then the idea of the slice fig, a tile, the day's tile, is is definitely Skylar Skylar. Right, okay. You know, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, I'm very conscious about that. I mean, some people might think I can't really see the connections, but it's a it's a, a piling on, if you like. Yeah. Noting one thing across section and then thinking it's like this and then or it's like this. Yeah. And then a celebration of the day.
0: But it's art and life as well, isn't yeah. it? Coming together, the the tile, the day's tile. And also, I also thought about the idea of noise, like in Him to Life, there's the idea he took about silence and noise.
1: Yeah. And
0: I thought the Madonnas were noisy.
1: Yeah.
0: And the, the picture of the snowdrop was quiet.
1: That's interesting.
0: And that's why the narrator is drawn to it because it's not making. Yes. A great show or it's not kind of you know, it's 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 quiet and in the corner.
1: Yes, yes. That's absolutely true. Um, I want something more subtle, a painting or drawing, that I'll have to work at knowing, or that you'll have to work at knowing, depending on which version we read. It. And also, yeah, the barely out of adolescence we've talked about. I I suppose it takes us back to the lads and the adult lads, to its root scrotal. Um, that's unconscious, I think, but it seems to in some ways.
0: But I tried to look up Edith Spiller. Yeah. As you suggested at the end. I couldn't find anything. Nothing.
1: No. I think I, I'm sure I did as well.
0: So I looked, I did various phrases in my search engine and it just came up with nothing.
1: Nothing. Interesting that. Absolutely anonymous, you know, or or...
0: Because I wondered whether you were in this poem. It seems to be analogy for her as well. So, picking snowdrops first thing inside her own biography, with spring lying in wait, Edith Spiller. So I'm thinking, what happened to Edith Spiller? Uh, Is there are there details that you picked upon from the? the exhibition itself, the card next to it that kind of pushed you in a certain direction and by kind of suggesting that something about her own life.
1: Well, just the fact that the name was there and that, again, you're going back to that quiet corner, it was all tucked away and everything, there's something, remind me a bit of Dorothy Wordsworth And her diaries. I know this is art, as opposed to, but it's a diary of sorts, isn't it? I mean, an art, you know, a a painting. She's recording on different days her perception of this flower. But yeah, just just the fact of here is an artist who's I certainly didn't know anything about, and kind of another schuyler esque thing would be to put a phrase like that. Yeah, look her up you know yeah. a, a, an imperative in the middle of or in this in this case at the end of a poem which is is, is urging the reader to make her visible by being curious about her but obviously yeah. it's not that easy
0: no it isn't at all no i think that works really well that kind of that suggestion to to look her up you know that imperative, as you as you say, but it's the it's the painting that in the end, or the watercolor that's stands stands for her, doesn't it? Yes, it does. This idea of it's, it's not the artist, it's the art. You know that's important.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the image, the sliced fig, slightly like sexual image, isn't it? And the cross sections of sex organs and segmented flower like a star on a mosque. I mean, that's an ornate. Like a tile, a literal tile. Yeah. But there is something suggestive, I suppose, running through that. Apart from the obvious biological observation. Yeah. You know, it picks sort moves away from that, and the picking snowdrops first thing inside with spring lying in wait. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I haven't made the direct necessarily a direct connection obviously i've read him to life and there's some it's in my m- mind when i'm reading that but there's the, the letter again i suppose yeah something lying in wait, like something lying in way it wait. is yeah it's letter yeah, in his case
0: yeah sure i think there's definitely a, a coming together there yeah you know, a little f-
1: yeah frish. some of it's unconscious isn't it i mean some of this is very conscious but the more we talk about it the more i realize you know there's probably more you can unpack and possibly in notes in that notebook from the time, you know, when I was on the more and more, whether I could go back and pick up something, I don't know. I often think um, writing in notebooks are often too much of their time and I can't go back to them. Really? Some, Yeah, and I wish I could. I've got so many unfinished, I just wish I could really, like her, to just finish something off. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's...
0: But that's part of the. About you,
1: Chris. I reckon you do finish things off.
0: (laughs) I do, but I do, but I think I've kind of learned to enjoy the process more. Yeah. I think as I've got older, you know, matured as a writer, I actually find the process more more interesting. Yes. And possibly harder as well too. Yeah. Because I'd probably spend more time on process now. Do you? Yeah. So it's that that the uh, the actual the bit behind the right the. The, the finish page, is something that I kind of yeah, that kind of draws me in. Yeah, but that's I've always been someone who's spent a long time over over yeah, writing. Yeah, well, you're I, very I,
1: conscious. I mean, craft and form the form, not yeah. so much. It's very much how you you you're consciously written, isn't yeah. it? Within certain forms. Yeah, I think so. And so. I admire that very much.
0: So, are you going to publish? in a collection, this poem, do you think?
1: Do you know? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I um been deliberating over this collection. My last one is in two thousand and seventeen. It's high time. It's just a matter of I'd like I'd like this to be in a collection. It's a matter of getting in gear to do it, really. To put things together. Or, you know, send something off somewhere.
0: Cause you, you did a PhD, didn't you? I did. And has that work Founder, there's
1: there's a collection for that. I mean, one of the things it, it was too long. It's too sprawling. Some of the poems individually have been published, but I've left it. And I, I just this is typical. I, you know, the PhD I got in 2017 as well as my other collection came out, and I haven't gone back to it. I haven't gone back to the poetics part. And I think why. Because another thing that interests me is the lyric essay. You know, a lot of people are writing yeah. in that form, aren't they? Yeah. Where poetry, in a sense, expanded how you can approach, well, prose, how you can approach prose. So I think I'd love to have a go at that. It's just doing it, really. Um, and, and doing something with that collection. It, 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 I don't think I could send it anywhere as it is. That's for sure.
0: Hmm. Well, I, I hope. This does find a Thank you. A book. This page just this poem does find a, a readership because it's it's a very fine piece of writing, I think. And I can see the the, the Skylar influence through it. And it's interesting that you kind of you see more and more of that as you're
1: Yeah, as I'm talking about it now with you.
0: Thank you very much. Well, thank, Pam. You. thank Thanks. You. Chris. Pam Thompson is a writer educator, and reviewer based in Leicester. She's been highly commended for the Ford Prize and has won the Magma and the Poetry Business competitions. Her works include Show Date and Time, Smith Doorstop 2006, The Japan Quiz, Red Beck Press 2009, and Pam's last collection, Strange Fashion, was published by Pindrop Press in 2017. Pam has a PhD in creative writing from De Montfort University and is a committee member for Word, a spoken word night at Attenborough Arts Centre in Leicester. She is a Hawthorne Fellow. Pam read from James Schuyler's poem "Him to Life, which you can find in its complete form on the Poetry Foundation website, along with an audio recording. To find out more about Pam's work, and explore this another podcast podcasts in the series, go to the website, twowaypoetry.podbean.com or my website, chris-jones.org UK. You can also follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at CW Jones Chris. Or on Blue Sky at CW Jones Chris for more updates on future episodes. The tune to play us out was written by William Jones.